My true dream, I think, in reorganizing an office space is to have a situation where I can talk to you at a microphone and still have the headspace to juggle. Like, I can't do it here. I would hit the thing and then the mic would go boom. Hey, it's Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. Welcome back for another Hang in the Laboratory. Thanks for joining us. And special thanks, as always, to our backers on Patreon, who throw us as little as a buck an episode to lighten the load. Servers and stuff we got to pay for just to keep the minimalist of this coming out the door. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming to hang out. That's kind of starting to not be totally true. Like the race to the bottom is on. There are cheaper alternatives to the way we do it right now that I should be considering. We also might migrate off of Patreon. You'll get an email if that's the case. But either way, thanks for being here for this one. What are we what are we talking about this week? We are talking about bicycles and the the joy and freedom that comes with riding a bike. But don't worry, we're we're also going to talk about how they work. <laughs> um this with this is taking us three this is our third try at this. We keep jamming this one up for some reason. We have a lot of emotional attachment to our bikes. Luckily, we caught the last one within 10 minutes of the We were like, this isn't working. Let's restart. Comically, I suppose, I think part of the reason is that I, I, I literally, the extent of my interactions with bikes is I have a triathlon tomorrow. So I'm rested up and I have more energy than I usually have. So I'm like, yeah, let's talk about bikes. I'm going to have another coffee. <laughs> this is like your third or fourth cup of coffee and, I, and an equal number of times that you've peed in the last 45 minutes. That's what happens when you ingest a lot of coffee. So, um, yeah, you know, I would consider myself a cyclist. That it took us this long to talk about bikes is just because I take it so for granted in my life. That I wasn't like, this is a thing I should talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's, it, it, when you put it that way, it makes me want to do a whole series on like common objects, like the chair. Yeah, didn't we, didn't we already do one? Because we re recorded this, I now don't know when we're releasing it. It's possible that by the time we release this, you've already heard the first of our series. Oh, on yeah, we stuff. did another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very confusing at this point. Uh, you may or may not have already heard one on cardboard. If you haven't, Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Thrilling conversation revolving around Uh, paper. You you actually did a thing on a bike that's like, to an average person, crazy. I did a a really cool trip this summer, my wife and I, with her, some of her family. We did a, we participated in something called RAGBRAI, which, let me see if I remember what it stands for. It's an acronym registers annual great bike ride across iowa was that in the right order something like that (laughs) it was a uh it was a week-long bike trip that goes entirely across the state of iowa from west to east how is the state of iowa shaped like i can't see it Uh, in my mind's eye it's rectangular but the east and west sides are jagged because it's it's bordered by rivers but okay, it's so like, it's not like it's not like saying I rode across Maryland, but then riding across the part of Maryland that's only twelve miles wide. <laughs> no, this was this Top was long. <laughs> this was it didn't, we didn't do the whole thing. I only rode a couple days, but uh, the whole trip is I think seven days and like sixty-five miles per day on average. Yeah. So it's a long, it's hundreds of miles to get across the state, and you go the long way too. 
but it's an annual it's his annual event that's been going on i think this was like at the 46th year or something like that there's uh, a lot of those like there's an annual ride across america thing it takes like three months and i have friends that should have done be that. it's amazing this was this was this was a really really fun trip what a cool uh, event but yeah i i train i'm on bikes like twice 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 a twice a week going fast my thing has been get on a bike and go fast since high school but yeah, you've been you've been a member of the bike club since we were kids. I started the bike club. You started. You were the founding chairman <laughs> and and treasurer. <laughs> uh, anyway, but before we talk about all that stuff, which honestly, like I'm I'm currently as a producer being like, okay, divert from that thing because <laughs> derailing on that conversation for a half hour is why the other episode didn't work. First, this let's talk how- about how they work. This is how built you keep people engaged. Everyone takes for granted, but it's only ever existed since the Industrial Revolution. And bikes are the kind of thing that, like, they they carry weight. If you follow the history of bikes, essentially rolling out as a as a popular More technology. Wearable. Oh Jesus! <laughs> if you if you follow them rolling out as a popular technology. Like they carry with them waves of social upheaval where people are like, should we ban bicycles community? The, the town hall is going to, we're going to have a town hall this weekend and we're going to discuss whether or not we should ban bicycles because they're going to allow women to ride to other villages and be hussies. I mean, literally, I mean, we're still having the debate right now. We just had all of these like shared ride bicycles drop on San Diego, like tens of thousands of them. And all the different towns in San Diego are having the exact same problem. Some are confiscating them. People are like throwing them off piers. People are stealing them. Like a lot of people are just riding them and enjoying them. But it's, it's, they're a oft talked about form of transportation that are really making a comeback right now too, right? With people's initiatives to be more healthy and spend less time in cars and save money on gas and, and help the environment. Right. So bikes to not are not use the version of wheeled transport that weighs 2000 tons when you only have to go <laughs> half a mile. 2000. Uh, anyway, not to make it a climate change a conversation immediately, but so let's, let's back it up to what, you know, I mean, it, you're, we found in our research that the wheel is relatively new the bicycle is uh, relatively new. The bicycle is relatively new in, in human <laughs> so history. Shockingly new. I thought it was uh, much older. But so, you know, it's, it's, it, it, I think it's also, though, a, an example in people's lives where they can see on sort of a crude and, vis, you know, uh, understandable level, a couple of principles that are like really important for industrial age. Like the Industrial Revolution was built on gears and axles and chain drives. <laughs> yeah, the um, bi- the bicycle is is that it's ridiculous that I'm saying it that way, but I find it funny because we say unicycle, we don't say unicycle. Unicycle, bicycle. bicycle. Am I, do I, how am I supposed to be saying this word? I said I it really don't know. At the beginning, I just say bikes. <laughs> bikes. <laughs> so the bike, the uni and the bike, we'll call them. <laughs> Yeah, the bike was a product of the Industrial Revolution, right? It, it came into being in the 19th century and was kind of perfected into its form over over like 50 or 60 years of that century. So really pretty new. I, I assumed that even some of those early versions of bikes have been around for a while or something similar. But the concept of like a two-wheeled thing with a steering in the front and a seat, 
uh, it's pretty pretty darn new. And with with gears even newer, right? Like real early 20th century before that was popular. Well, and I think so. Let's back it up before before we get to a fun conversation about the funny looking stupid <laughs> versions of bicycles that existed in that evolution. Like, and let's back up to what quickly. Like, what problem does the wheel solve that? that we hadn't had we hadn't engineered a way around until oh my God. the, the wheel solves so many amazing problems it's often hailed as one of our greatest inventions as humans i think really the although wheel... as you pointed out on a previous recording it's it's certainly lost out to sliced bread in the recent a sliced bread's consu- really popular in the consumer era <laughs> although bread's on its way out so <laughs> who knows Sliced bread's had its day. And sliced gluten-free bread. Sliced gluten. Nobody eats that gluten-free bread. It's terrible. So the wheel. I, I think this is an interesting, an interesting thought because this isn't what you normally think about when you go to ride a bike. But what it helps you overcome is friction. Yeah, and if you tried some to other properties your too. Ass across the sidewalk, it would hurt a lot. The, there's there's there are a bunch of other features that the bike <laughs> introduces, but a wheel totally right. If you're just if you just drag, if you've ever tried to like drag something across the floor, it's very difficult because there's a lot of friction. And as things get heavier and bigger, the friction becomes so high that you can't move them. And whenever I think of like olden times <laughs> and wheels, I picture brick like big stone blocks on wooden logs, probably because that's what I saw on Nova as a kid. But the the concept of early civilizations moving things and and putting motion into things, uh, we started using wheels for stuff, logs for things to move stuff around. And and it's interesting because a lot of this stuff we don't really know the history. We don't really know how this stuff worked, right? Logs aren't the logs aren't still around to show us how big stones are moved around. <laughs> yeah, are they just oil? <laughs> but, now we uh, burn the logs for fuel. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's it's funny because you can sort of envision how people figured out about the wheel before they understood all these sort of engineering behind it. Totally. But at some point, somebody was like, you know, if I make this real skinny, if I make this bigger on the ends and skinny in the middle, this log that I've previously been rolling, I can do interesting things with it. Because a, a wheel of a greater radius makes the task you're trying to do easier, like exponentially. And so uh, there's this balance, I, th- I, I think, right? And you, t- you could tell me this for sure as an engineer, right? Like there's a balance in the design of a thing where you're like, okay, the bigger wheel we can fit here, the better, but it's either overkill or we just don't have the space for a wheel of that size. So here's what it's going to, here's the energy it's going to take to turn this wheel in this mechanism, Right. What properties are you looking for in the wheel? The, if the <laughs> diameter of the wheel is greater, it's better at helping you overcome the two things, friction and, well, no, there's more friction if the wheel is bigger because there's more surface area in contact, but it's still negligible compared to trying to drag the amount of weight that it can still deal with. Yeah, I've, n- I've never thought about that. Yeah, like, I think you might be right. A bigger wheel... Is easier easier to move smaller increments, kind of that you can move it in to get motion going. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think you're um, totally. I think you're right. Anyway, so that's so, not really important, but compared to the log, which is just the hub, you're just you're just rolling. You're just rolling the axle if you're rolling a a log. Right? How do we? Right? You're just you're just rolling a, a solid. You're just <laughs> the axle. Point, we discovered we the actual wheel. 
which was like, oh, wait, if we put a bigger, skinnier round object on the end of this axle, it's even better at this job. Cool. Well, now that's we got a huge, And that's a huge innovation too, right? To think conceptually to go from someone who is rolling things around on logs to the idea of like a free spinning piece that's permanently connected but can spin on its own all the way around that's uh that's crazy complicated but and we then did like it. the idea of making it spin on its own so i mean forget the part where it spins on its own because that's tricky before we solved spin on its own we would have solved oh they just turn with the axles they both sure you know go at the same time right at some point we we're also like man if we could make this thing turn and the axle stays still here's what we can achieve you know blah 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 right so that's that's wheels <laughs> right it gets us up to this point of when we hit the industrial revolution we started putting like etches in those wheels so that we could put two wheels together and have them push one another which i guess before that you can you can just push two. like imagine those things you see with firing baseball baseballs like at at batters you know in a batting cage it's just two <laughs> wheels and they spin and you put the two ball tires. in the middle and the wheels go whoop and push the thing out right totally a gear is no different than that except with teeth you can just interlock them and you don't have to have these two wheels that slip or whatever touching one another i mean that's a gear right i was wondering where you were going when you said wheels with edges in them <laughs> we've jumped we've jumped ahead to gears without uh, everything yeah, we learned totally. from wheels we wouldn't have gears I mean, the, I don't I don't necessarily think wheels. I mean, I certainly do think that wheels wheels aren't limited to like rolling and moving things around like the concept of like a round thing that you spin to do stuff with is used for all kinds of things, right? Like pulleys are essentially wheels, right? They're wheels and pulleys that are spinning around and and Compact putting disc. something <laughs> the whole concept of rotating things in the universe is is sort of a uh, there's like the fun there's this fundamentalness of things ro of rotation existing in our universe which comes up which is interesting right like planets rotate around their stars universes rotate around in circles and there's something it's it's loosely correlated there in the concept of like just straight riding a bike but rotation uh is used for almost everything that makes modern life work there are rotating round parts Right. So that's it's a very there's a prolific. And even those parts have to deal with friction. That's why you get grease all over yourself when you ride a bicycle. Absolutely. A Absolutely. bicycle. Anytime you're you're moving things around. So the bicycle is really a it's it's really a neat usage of kind of complex industrialized stuff to build something that I think everyone everyone thinks of as very simple now, right? Like people learn it's kind of a trope that you learn to ride a bike as a little kid and you're excited about getting your first bike and what it looked like. And, but it's, it's a, it's a very complicated, it's, it's like the equivalent of learning to drive a car, right? As an adult, it's, it's a big moment in one's life because it's full of prolific technology. So on the bike, you have the gears, everybody's aware of the, you know, the gears in the front and the back, right? So I think the next thing you have to cover is this idea of rotation and the wheel and all that kind of stuff. Like what, what problem in a world of wheels and axles and gears, like what problem is a gear solving? A gear lets you, well, there are a couple things that the gears like, do. Never mind the weird things like directional changes and the differential pieces, right? Like that's, we'll explain the drivetrain later, 
Just what is it? Gear, two gears, same size. It just you transfer motion. You transfer force around a, an object. It makes it gears. so you can have one axle drive and turn another axle. Yep. Transferring motion from where you're pedaling out to a wheel. So the simplest, right? If you have like a beach cruiser, I have a beach cruiser, which I happen to have gears on because I'm, I'm super tight like that. But most beach cruisers are like fixed gear. And so really, there is a gearing benefit there in terms of torque and speed too. But really, you're just moving. You don't want to pedal on the wheel because you you end up with those right. sweet looking, fancy old old style bikes. Yeah. So, okay. So, so, so backing up on the bike tip, before we had gears, we had versions of this where we were like, if we could put a person on his wheel, it would work really well. But carts, you have to have a thing pull the cart. So you still need a horse to get a person around if you're using a, a cart, which it's kind of worth noting. The big deal with a bicycle is before we had something like this, we had to have a horse. <laughs> this like, you know, this this living thing that you had to keep in your backyard and feed it regularly or else it would die. And it's heavy. It, it, horses just eat all day. Horses are really heavy. They just eat grass all day. Horses always seemed like overkill <laughs> for humans to be riding. Can't you ride like a small donkey? That's why we came up with a better solution. That's was why it, downtrodden Clint Eastwood was always riding on a mule when he was... Is the mule like know. the electric vehicle of the, uh, <laughs> the 17th century? <laughs> the mule is the EV. Conserve horse feed. Well, yeah, the, so, first, the first implementation of the bike was hilarious if you look up the videos because you sit on it and you use your legs for propulsion on the ground. <laughs> so and in it's order like, to get a people wheel... Like, skipping around on this weird yeah so let's say your average person's going to be a hundred your average adult that's riding on that is going to be 125 pounds 150 pounds in order to move a person like that with a single wheel on a single axis you need a really big wheel like i was talking about before so the design they ended up with it wasn't aesthetic that a penny farthing bicycle look, looked weird with this front wheel. Like that was the size of wheel they needed for a direct drive wheel to be able to do what a bicycle does to move 125 to 150 pound mass. Well, that's that's forward. what you get to with the the next feature of the gears, right? The gears let you move move motion between two axles, but it also lets you get the effective speed that you could get out of that big wheel out of a small wheel. Right. So you can move motion yeah, around so the bike. Back that up first, because first you need to understand the chain piece, because there's a chunk of this that's important and people encounter all the time because it's what puts a black mark on your leg and it falls off and then your bike doesn't work. <laughs> gear touching gear is a really good way to transfer motion from one axle to another. But there's weird aspects like when you run a gear into another gear, it goes the opposite direction. So we couldn't just string a bunch of gears together to the back wheel to get these two wheels to both go forward. But you also kind of have to back it up to the penny farthing bicycle was just really hard to balance on. It wasn't a good way to ride. So, so you can solve that problem. Tricycles have big front wheels and they have two smaller back wheels and the back wheels are just there to keep the front wheel from falling over sideways. But you have more wheels on the ground, and so it's not necessarily the most effective way to do that. But a tricycle is still better than a horse, probably, for getting <laughs> you around town, right? Which has horses have four wheels on the ground, right? Well, four, <laughs> four blocks of fibrous, four shots, tendinous, <laughs> four fingernails. Um, 
for fingernails. There you go. Yeah. Big, big hoofy <laughs> ingrown fingernails. Is that what they are? So, you know, a tricycle solves that fall side to side problem. But if you could do it in a way where you balance on the two wheels, like it, it makes a remarkable amount of difference in your ability to move quickly with, on a bicycle. I would uh, it's just a it more was... efficient way to cut through the air, which becomes a problem at a speed on a bike. I would guess it was pretty surprising to early bike inventors that you could get that going and that it would be so stable. Right. So that's a weird part of it. Like, I think it wasn't considered early on because it was like now, I mean, you can ride a unicycle. It's just a feat of balance such that whenever you see a person on a unicycle, you go, hey, that guy's on a unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> so. Driving from one wheel, it was really hard to solve this balance problem in any number of ways to do that. Partially because the best way to drive that wheel is to stand to put the weight over top of the wheel or have a tricycle where you sit back and the wheels kind of in front of you and you push forward instead of down to push the wheel. And the modern bicycle with the two wheels that are the same size turns out to be this thing where, well, if you put two wheels together and you drive and you put the weight over them differently and then use a mechanical apparatus to push the back wheel, actually, it's not too hard to balance if you get going above a certain speed. And basically, even children can learn how to do this. Even the um, children. So gears are an important part of this. But then this the chain piece is really important too because the chain causes the back gear, the second gear in this two-gear mechanism, to behave differently than it would if you just put two gears together. For one, it would like you would have to have at least three gears because you need to transfer it back to going the same distance. direction. Oh, it's not even about the distance yet because if you have two gears, the back hub is going to go the wrong direction compared to pushing the direction you want to with your feet, right? Yeah, you have you have directional issues when you introduce new gears into into a drivetrain for sure. Like the, where the rotation's getting pushed, right? So a chain makes it so both of those gears are connected, and you move the motion from one. You move the rotation from one gear to the other. You push on one gear, and it causes the other to rotate in the same direction. Totally, I see what you're saying. Yep, as the gear you're pushing, which turns out for the balance part of this is really important. It's really hard to pedal backward and go forward. Your brain does weird <laughs> things. Um, I don't I've never thought about trying to pedal train. backwards sure to go forward. Train, train yourself to fix that. But like they make bikes where when you steer it one direction, it goes the opposite direction. You can get used to riding it, but it takes a really long time because it's so counterintuitive. I bet to turn your I body right to really go hard. left is really hard to train you to do. So there's aspects of this where we can't pull off the balance piece if we can't solve particular engineering problems, which is why I think it took so long to develop what we have as a bicycle. But talk about what a chain is. You can get belt drive things, but they break. I mean, a chain's just a... Uh, it's like a linkage mechanism that hooks onto two gears. It's kind of like a... It's funny because it's made up of rigid objects, right? It really hurts if you get hit with a chain. <laughs> you don't want to get hit with a chain. That's for sure. But they're like floppy, like rope. It's always... You can, it's, you can, it's, it's very interesting to hold a chain, right? Because it's only floppy in one direction. It's very stiff in the other direction. 
if you make your gear the right way, you can put holes in the chain such that the tooth in the gear catches a hole in the chain and pulls it. And so you can put a chain on a thing. It's, I think the easiest way to envision it is kind of like tank treads, which are sort of a misnomer. But like the idea of this thing over top of it that's clearly mm-hmm. made up of straight pieces yeah. is going ka-chunk, funk, ka-chunk, funk, and like <laughs> moving thing. But because that happens, you get this reaction, right? Which is why like on a bike, people experience like your teeth wear down on your sprockets and will eventually start falling out of the chain groove early. And it causes a slipping feeling that people probably are familiar oh, with. Yeah, okay. I'm on familiar with that. It's like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> you notice it a lot when you're shifting if you have a worn gear. I have to replace sprockets every once in a while, 3,000 miles or so. Oh, wow. Interesting. That's probably more miles than I've ever ridden uh, on bikes. But so, so the chain lets you transfer momentum back there. Now we get to talk about the part that's really interesting. because So you got two gears and you got a chain pushing those two gears. It turns out that if you change the number of teeth on one of the gears relative to the other, it's it's the idea of when you hear people talk about gear ratios mm-hmm. on like car commercials and stuff, this is what they're talking about. You By changing the size of those gears and the, also thus the number of teeth that they have, shit gets weird. You can, you can and, and this is the part you described really well last time we were doing it which is like how, like why? So I think what people are maybe familiar with on a bike is you get your big wheel and your slightly smaller wheel on the front. And then on the back, you have this series of like 10, you know, wheels, right? Like that's probably what they've seen when they think of a 10 speed speed bike. What does it mean to have 10 speeds on your bike? Because it has always bothered me as someone who vaguely understood the mechanism (laughs) that they call them speeds. It really has nothing to do with the speed that you can go. It has to do with how much you have to push to depends stay. On your perspective, at a yeah, <laughs> depends on the perspective you're coming at it with. Probably an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> definitely an asshole. We're both it's definitely nasty. assholes. Well, gears have. I mean, first of all, gears the the concept of gears and gear ratios and the design of gears is is a uh, is whole industries are built around it, right? There's a. I had a book when I was working as a me- mechanical engineer where it was like the guide for mechanical engineers working in manufacturing. And I want to say like a third of the book was just about like gears and drivetrains and gear ratios and chains and stuff. Just look up tables and information about different types of gears. And so they're a big deal, right? We don't, you don't interact with them very often in regular life. Bikes is probably one of the only places that most people interact with them day to day or even at all i mean cars they do everything that happens in a car but you don't think about you never see them you never see them you don't change them you don't touch them they're huge in cars i actually just toured a company that makes parts for cars the other day and they had just massive gears and they're so fun to look at these gears coming out of a machine shop but the feature of a gear uh, or the couple features of gears that are really useful for bikes are the ability to increase the speed when you go between gears and to to increase or decrease the speed, uh, and then to increase or decrease this this thing called the, the concept of torque, which is kind of how much force you get out of a out of a vehicle. And so gears right. allow so, you to adjust that stuff so you can move quicker or move more more efficiently with the power you're putting in. Well, I think the problem with referring there you go that that last piece with the power you're putting in is I think the part that makes speed a misnomer because 
what you're talking about is for the same force output, you can make the second, the smaller gear move faster. The rotation, it will turn around, the, it'll cause whatever spindle it's attached to to turn more times per second for the same amount of force input that you have on the front gear. So you're increasing the speed of it? Right. Is that what you're saying? So you're increasing the speed of rotation, <laughs> right? I think the thing is on a bike, that assumes that the force output is going to stay the same. So right. yeah, you can go faster for less force put in if you get to the gear that's real hard on your bike. But like, that's not how most people experience it. Totally. Because mostly they go, I want to go the same speed and go up a hill. And so I'm going to go to this super easy gear and go up the hill. Well, this is, is one of those bad. one of those neat features of bikes, of gearing, of of this sort of energy transfer where our bodies aren't good at measuring torque. We can't like naturally sense torque on a bike exactly. I mean, we kind of can, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like something that's natural to us, right? Cuz our bodies the way we evolved didn't have torque as like torque on a wheel it's not something we evolved to to deal with right speed however we can we we can sense that very well when we're running or moving around we're very aware spatially of how quickly we're moving and so with a bike with gearings and bikes you've got you've got this very very mathematical correlation between speed uh, and torque when you go between gears when one goes up the other one goes down right they're inversely related in bike gearing but there's something weird about it where we don't like register that when my when I change gears, we register that there might be a speed change, but it's weirder and more abstract that there's a torque change. Even the word, people are like, I've heard it. It's important for my truck <laughs> to get a lot of torque. But conceptually, mm, what does it mean? So it's it's one of these places where like everything in the universe, when there's an exchange of energy, it's things need to stay balanced. And so if you want to get more speed out of that same force, you're going to lose something. In this case, you lose torque, which... And so without really doing any... get like If we get deeper on torque, it starts to get in the part of physics that just loses everybody. Yeah, and I'll so get like, uncomfortable. And so then explain, <laughs> to me why, explain to me why it makes it... Easy. So forget the idea of speed, right? The, the reason I don't like speed is because... Most people's sensation of riding a bike is I am going at a speed. And when you start to go up a hill, there's a thing that's happening mechanically that involves speed, but it becomes like the speed your feet are turning over, which is not what people are conceptualizing. When you pop it in hill gear, you go slow. Right. When so you're I'm trying to avoid the idea of, of, of speed over like what's what you're pushing on a gear and it's making a thing happen. And suddenly you're not pushing as hard, but you're pushing more times. But it's making you and it's still moving. It's you that interesting trade off with gearing where, like we were talking about earlier, you can you transfer speed and you transfer force, right? Uh, like a strength of of movement between gears. It's called torque. If you're talking about kind of the physics of gears, but it's a force, right? It's it's a lever, like the concept of, of a lever, like you press on a stick further away and you can lift a heavy thing that you couldn't lift just by picking it up. That's the concept, but it's thrown into rotation, which makes it really complicated and kind of counterintuitive in a lot of ways. So uh, on a bike, when you go into hill mode, what your goal is, right? It's hard to get up a hill. It takes a lot of effort to push something up a hill, right? To push your bike up the hill. And so to get it up the hill, you need more force going into the tire. You need more torque at the tire. So the trade-off with gears 
is that if you want more force coming out of out of your back tire, you need to put more speed in somewhere. So the gearing is goofy. So you end up with that funny look where someone's pedaling furiously to get up a hill, uh, but the bike's barely moving. And it's because you're using this property of gears that allows you to put a bunch of speed in, but to get a lot of force out on the other end, which is funny because it's the opposite of when someone's cruising really fast, you're going 35 on a bike on flat ground, barely pedaling because you don't need that force anymore, right? The bike is at speed. It's flat ground. It's very easy to maintain that speed. So you swap your gears. So they're completely the opposite of when you're going up a hill and you get a lot of speed out, uh, but there's very little torque. So it'd be hard to start the bike at that speed. Well, and the notion of force, I think is interesting because you got to think about basic physics things, which is like there. So there's this idea of, of work in physics, which is if you're going to hold a box and carry it up a hill, Just to overcome gravity, there's a certain amount of effort that's going to have to go into that, right? Like, this is what physicists study all day. And it doesn't matter how that effort is put in or over what amount of time. Speed is just the measure of how fast can you put in the amount of force it takes to get this box up a hill. But so on a bike, when you switch that gear ratio, it lets you have a a way to do it where the force that's going in to move the wheel. So it's moving a back wheel and that wheel is touching pavement and it can only move you as much as a single rotation of that thing can push you. Right? So you're literally just like, okay, the best way to achieve this is a centimeter at a time. I'm going to go one centimeter, two centimeters, three centimeters, (laughs) four centimeters, faster, faster. And you're not pushing as hard. You're just pushing faster. But all that really matters is you got to fill up this tank of work. And once it's full, your shit's at the top of the hill. Yep. That's just a really funny aspect of the piece where so the idea is you, you're pushing on this thing just to go squirt, 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 until you're up the hill. Whereas you could just go whoomp, whoomp, <laughs> if you could push hard enough, right? right? Or had a big enough wheel. Which just no one can. Which you experience when you hit hills, right? Because unless you're a really experienced biker and you you know the grade you're going up or the angle you're going up, me as someone who doesn't ride bikes very often, when I hit a hill, it's it's very much up in the air. It's like, where do I need to be? So I kind of hit it at the speed I'm coming in and then I can pedal and I'll stand up and I'm starting to put a lot of work in, but I'll get tired really fast. And it's like, shit, I got to... I got to swap my gears down a little bit. And then maybe I go too far and I'm pedaling too fast and I can't keep my balance. <laughs> you feel, you look, feel like you look silly. Right. And then <laughs> so you, you play with it until you find this, this point where like the force that you're able to put in at your feet kind of matches the transition between force and speed that the bike is putting out at the road. And then you've got a great spot and you get up the hill and you high five your buddy and have a pork chop. And so there's a cool part about the gear ratio thing that I think you talked about last time, which gets to that idea of the, you know, like, only a centimeter of a wheel touches the thing at, at the time. Yeah. You can really think about the numbers of teeth to conceptualize gear ratio. Yep. So like, so talk to me about why. So what happens when you have a big gear on the front by my feet and a little gear at the bottom? Cause that's the opposite ratio. That's the, I'm going to push really hard, but only need to do it every once in a while to maintain the speed that I'm going. That's the high speed setting. Right. So it's easy, it's it's much easier to conceptualize I think especially on a radio show how gears work to trend to to change speed because it's it's kind of numeric, right? So if you're if you think about having a big gear in the front, say the gear where you're pedaling has 10 teeth and the gear in the back has 5, 
first you have to realize that the teeth have to be the same size, right? The same chain is going between those gears. So to have 10 teeth on the front gear, it has to be a bigger gear. It has to have a bigger diameter. And so the concept here that I think makes it really clear once you think about it is every time you turn the gear on the front where your pedals are, it goes around one time, right? When it goes around one time, 10 teeth have moved the distance of those 10 teeth. When you transfer that back to a gear on the back wheel, it only has five teeth. So to make the distance, to travel the distance, the the movement, the radius of that back gear, it has to go around twice. So the gearing in that situation, every time you pedal one time in a full circle with your feet, the back tire goes around twice. And that's how you get speed. That's how you get an increase in speed. And the tire is also bigger than the radius you're pedaling. So there's other stuff going on too, but... And so that's related to the force put into it, right? So for the, so for the same cost in force put in, you get faster rotation in the back because it's going around twice for every time you you push once. Yep. And if you swapped that to a gear that was a quarter of the size, you would go four times as fast. The caveat there, and everybody knows this, right? You can't start your bike in a fast gear. You can't be in that fastest gear and start pedaling because you're not getting the same amount of torque out of, out of force. The force doesn't transfer, right? Because like we said, it they're inversely related. So when you're getting more speed out of your bike, you're getting less force from the tire. So it's really hard to get the bike going forward at the beginning. So you have to start in a, in a, in a lower gear or a kind of a hill gear, right? The concept we were talking about a second ago. And then that allows you to get the bike moving. And then you can move into a faster gear. So you're always playing this game, this trade-off of, of force coming out on the wheel and speed. And torque is is an interesting conversation too, but it's 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 kind of more abstract to think about levers, round levers on a, yeah, on a radio screws show. Are, <laughs> so we're going to skip it. <laughs> but you can look it up. We've but, got some great videos and, uh, and articles. Uh, yeah, we'll put, we'll put good stuff in the show notes for sure. So give me the inverse of that, which is the hill, hill mode. Hill mode is if there's five gears on the front and 10 on the back, Every time I turn the front gear once, the back gear only goes half a turn. Yep. Right? Yep. So it's not even... So one is double, the other one is half, Mm -hmm. if you're talking about both of those. And so in that case, it means I took this amount of force up front, which is essentially, like, let's just say that's a constant, because here's the max you can output as a human. It took that, and it only used all... It used all that force, but it only used it to move half a centimeter instead of two centimeter, two full centimeters. And so same deal. You're still like putting force into the mountain essentially to get up the hill. You're just doing it half a centimeter at a time instead of four centimeters at a time. Well, you're, you're, you're magnifying the force too, right? So there's, there's a component there where you're getting more force than, than you do in that different in the other gear ratio. So it's more powerful. You're getting more power out of the bike. And the reason that I want to keep chasing the mountain piece is because like getting up and over a mountain range is one of those things that makes people go how should we even do that like what if the earth goes away there and there are dragons and like it it, as a ability to move a person around it introduces a degree of freedom to be able to go up and over a mountain range so i mean like Getting somewhere faster, I think, is easy to conceptualize. But the idea that this mechanism is used in this other direction also to be make it so that we can drive over hills easily is a really remarkable. It's a it's a 
perspective shift on the notion of how important the bicycle and like gear ratios are in our world of expanding across the globe i mean you know? forget mountains as a kid just going like a block away from my house was mind-blowing right to be able to bike right. to the other side of town and explore the ability to explore and the the, the amount of space you can cover on a bike is incredible compared to walking and I think the fascination there is when you consider speed and you consider that you can go up hills and stuff, right? The s sphere of influence by which your world is increased by access to a bicycle is three-dimensional. <laughs> you can go up and down and over and wider than you've ever gone before, like in the same amount of time that before it would have been like, well, I got a horse and it's old That'll be five days. Wasn't one of Da Vinci's flying machines a bike with like helicopter blades? Yeah, more or less. I think <laughs> people have tried to rebuild it over the years. So let's talk about that piece. Like, I, like we talked about before, uh, bikes for me have always been a big. I've I don't know. I've always just had a particular level of satisfaction being on a bike that is deeper than than what it gave me access to as a kid. But for sure, it was also like I I'm I'm that kid that like rode to go see a movie on a Saturday before I had a driver's license, like because I could. Right. Well, in our it's neighborhood. A, I think of bikes as they're a form of transportation. That's really effective. They're very efficient, but it's a little closer to nature than like riding around in a car, a car you're so isolated and it's so loud. And then there's like gasoline fumes and electricity and all this extra stuff that really feels unnatural when you're in a car. But when you're on a bike, you are outside, the wind's rushing past you. It kind of feels like you're running, but you're running in like a whole different way. And a sailboat is an even more satisfying version of that. The what is? A sailboat. A sailboat. Totally. A sailboat's a very it's similar even thing. Even less greasy. <laughs> right. You're 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 using like you're you're just closer to the properties of the universe that are letting you get around and it feels different. And I would imagine that someone talking about riding a horse, like a horse that they had, had their whole life, is probably even another whole level of amazing contact with nature, right? Like you, you cared for this living creature that yeah, then people have very personal around. connections to their so horses. I, I feel like a bike is kind of somewhere between a car and a horse. <laughs> and I think the difference is balance. You don't have to balance to stay on a car. <laughs> you just sit there in your plush fucking basket seat. Uh, yeah. Bucket seat. What do they call them? I don't, I'm not good at cars. <laughs> bucket seats. Uh, yeah, so so I mean, Your like, partially, there's there's this aspect of it that's that's there's also just a real practicality to it, which gets us to one of the points that I think kicked off the original episode about bikes, which was talking about LeBron James's school that he started, which we'll put something in the notes to now. It's not worth talking about, but there was a striking part of his plan of what's going to happen for every student, which was uh, that everyone's going to be given a bike and a helmet, and he talks about he talks specifically as he was launching the school about like the aspect to which having a access to a bike was his way to get out of trouble. You know, like that made me think about the part about just exploring the neighborhood. Like you were saying, you know, like it introduced for a kid learning to ride a bike introduces this idea of like, now I can go down to the corner of the neighborhood and where I grew up. That was a graveyard. We used to ride down there and mess around all the time. Try to scare one another. Weird. You spent a lot of time like beach cruising around the, the, cause you spent your summers at the beach. 
at the beach, they have a special type of bike. A beach cruiser. For just cruising. They're the best. They're so cozy. <laughs> it's like the bucket seat for, for a bike. Those those seats on the road bikes are a disaster. But I think I think props to James for that move. Yeah, something's magical about bikes. I mean, ask anyone about bikes. They remember it's it's portrayed very fondly in uh in movies. It's it's like a rite of passage for a lot of people. And there's everybody I feel like you just you get you get joy out of people when they hop on a bike. Even if they don't ride bikes very often, they're kind of goofy and they're kind of awkward and they're fun and they're weird. And a lot of the stuff we've been talking about is kind of mysterious about them, right? The fact that you can go so fast on a bike, even when you think about it, it's still there's like a fun mystery to it and the wind blowing past your hair. And it's just they're just fun. They're just really cool. And I and I think the line between that sort of organic thing that you're talking about versus the other is balance. And so yeah, there's that freedom and there's there's all that stuff, right? But if you're talking about the physical act of biking, it just comes down to like there's a reason that surfers and snowboarders and cyclists are a particular level of chill. Although I would say the cyclists are probably the least chill. <laughs> a lot of people might say uh, that. But that's because of the cars, I think. If there were no cars, cyclists would be way more chill. <laughs> yeah, it's a very aggressive experience yeah. to like ride around Los Angeles as somebody who's trying to ride. People riding miles. beach cruisers are chill, and it's because they're they're they've got more freedom to not get run they're over. They're at one with the balance <laughs> of not falling over on this bike, yeah. right? I think the place to wrap this up is slow mo. <laughs> tell tell the listeners about slow mo. Slow mo is a uh, a real fun story in San Diego. He's he's not a he's not on a bike, but. Uh, he rides around on rollerblades on the boardwalk at the beach in a part of town called Mission Beach in San Diego. And if you have spent any time in Mission Beach as a San Diegan, you're generally familiar with slow-mo because you can't miss him. He's out there all the time. And he cruises on rollerblades in slow motion. And so he rollerblades around. Picture someone trying to move in slow motion on rollerblades, and that's slow-mo. And he, uh, I think there were some articles about him a couple years ago He's been doing this for years and it came out. I think he's he's a doctor of some sort. And so he kind of for health reasons was like, hey, it's really good for you to to try to rollerblade in slow motion. The balance of it requires a lot of concentration uh, and a lot of focus and a lot of strength. And so he kicked it off as a way to do something healthy. But it, I don't know where the balance is here. But now it's just kind of hilarious to see this guy cruising around on rollerblades in slow motion. Big smile on his face waves to people in slow motion and is just a staple of the beach community here in San Diego. But when they ask him about, he's been like profiled by the New York times. So when they ask him about it, what he says is it's, it's just about, there's this pace you can move where it's like, I'm just one with the balance of the planet. And he talks about like, you know, the, the, the idea of being in union with centrifugal force and the, I, you know, it's it's the same space that we're talking about, which is just like, God, it's just fun to surf. Yeah. It's fun to do this thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to try to ride it. Oh, but like you're balancing. You fall over if you fail. It's it's rewarding. It's rewarding to use your own body to interact with the world, <laughs> I think, is the is the summary. Right. And when you get in a car, there's there's certainly you're still silly to say you're not using your own body. There's a lot of fun with that. But like day to day driving, I don't think is is a fun way to use a car. 
Uh, and for the most part, cars are so powerful and they are so fast that most people, unless you do have a, a sports car and take it and push it to its limits, you don't really get to have the fun that you would, the equivalent fun that you get when you're pushing a bike, right? I can push a bike safely, arguably, <laughs> in regular riding, but to push a car safely, I'm going to crash or get a get a speeding ticket or just be stuck in Southern California traffic. So I've been riding a one wheel lately. A which, uni? Uh, is is essentially I get technically it is a unicycle. <laughs> it's gyros. It's a it's essentially a skateboard, a mo, a, an electric skateboard, but it works by having one big go kart wheel in the middle, and then they use a bunch of balance sensors to keep you upright more easily than you would if you were trying to use this thing without it balancing you. But it's like snowboarding, and so I basically snowboard to work every morning now. Fantastic! Those things look so fun. It's made me a happier person. How long can you ride it so, on a battery charge? 12 miles. It's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, inadvertent plug for one wheel there. But I feel like that's the place to, you know, just go have go ride a bike. I'm always happy after I ride a bike. Isn't there a isn't there like a Mary Poppins song about riding a bike? No, it's a kite. Flying kite. Go fly a kite. Similar. Put bike in there easily though. Kites are pretty fun. Anyway, thanks for hanging out for another another podcast and a special thanks as always to our backers on patreon who throw us as little as buck an episode to help keep this going or whatever thing it is now if we're trying to switch to a way of doing patreon that's a little easier for people this is engineering podcast i'm adam i'm brian stay balanced everybody